You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl, a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. What's spooky with you? The Crawler Stories. In my stories, I encountered what I'm guessing is the crawler. One was super simple. Our house had a garage with a gravel drive my dad would park his car on. This house was shaped like a giant L, so from my bedroom window you could see the garage and driveway. One night, I couldn't sleep and just decided to look out the window for a bit. And I remember I could see a massive figure on all fours lurking around on the driveway between my dad's car and a few bushes nearby. It was about the size of a small car and had long, unnervingly human-like limbs and just seemed really focused on my dad's car. I watched it for a bit until it started to venture closer to my window and then I ran into bed and hid. Never saw it again, but me and my sister were always overcome with an overwhelming sense of dread and fear whenever we went anywhere near the garage window or the kitchen. My other story is the only one where I've ever felt threatened by a shadow person. I've only seen it once and it seemed pretty eager to be out of sight when I noticed it. So, this was about a month ago in my flat. It's a small two-bed I rent with my girlfriend, and it sits in a really old part of Birmingham, UK with a lot of history. One day, I was sat in the living area on my laptop when I saw something in the door to the hallway out of the corner of my eye. I instinctively glanced, and as soon as I focused on it, it darted back around the doorframe it was peering from behind. It was close to the ground and looked like it must have been crouched, but all I could see was an arm, shoulders, and a head. It gave off quite a menacing vibe that I didn't appreciate and seemed to be more malicious than any of my other experiences. I do get a bad vibe about the living space and refuse to go in at night on my own. I guess now I know why. Welcome back to Paranorm Girl. I'm your host, Kristen. We are back on track today with another lesson exploring some shadow person etiology in order to hopefully come to a conclusion on these creatures on the very next episode. I've got a good one for you guys today, but before we get into that, I really, really hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with my first believer guest on the show, Mr. Lee Fleming. I am so damn lucky to have such an open, intelligent, genuine fella to call my own and to have him on as my first ever guest. I'm not a natural born interviewer by any stretch, but in order to do anything good or at the very least at an acceptable level, you got to just uh, leap sometimes and hope that that net appears. And uh, I-, I couldn't have had an easier, smoother experience. I had such a good time recording that with him. I'm actually really looking forward to future Quab episodes. That's the CWAB, Conversations with a Believer. 
episodes. And also, as I mentioned in the last episode, um, I'd like to try my luck with some conversations with some skeptics out there. Uh, It'll be the same concept. We'll talk paranormal, but of course, coming at it from, you know, a different angle. Conceivably, it'll always just be a chill, no-stress conversation between friends. This show is a safe place for it all, believers and skeptics alike. If you're willing to have a chat with me on the paranormal, then I'm going to make that happen here. In order to fully explore this world, we need to be able to have that conversation. So, this is the place. And I will continue to hold these little talks throughout the life of the show. Depending on the season topic, we might spend the entire time discussing that very thing. Or not. That's the fun bit about this whole thing. I don't know exactly where the conversations are going to go. A little nerve-wracking, but it'll keep me on my toes and simultaneously give us all a little breather from the regular educational format. And my invitation still stands. If anyone listening is interested in being on the show, either as my guest believer or guest skeptic, just shoot me a message and we'll see if we can't get you on. Seems like uh, everyone has an opinion on this topic leaning one way or the other, and I want to hear and explore it with you. That all being said, we've sure got a lot to cover today. On our final lesson episode for the season, we're going to cover some of the major players in the field of shadow people and also talk a little bit about what they theorize shadow people are, maybe how they arrived at their theories and talk about some of their work. While no one can truly be called an expert in any paranormal field, I consider these folks exactly that because they have done the work, the research, the investigation into this phenomenon. They have spent the time and provided us with the theories that ultimately have landed in the mainstream. And we, the people, often look to these guys for answers and consolation for our own experiences and encounters when science and logic just aren't cutting it. So, let's kick it off with one of the most well-known paranormal researchers, authors, speakers, and investigators in the field, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Now, unfortunately for anyone who is familiar with her and her life's work, you know that she passed away suddenly in 2019. But the body of work she left behind is truly all-encompassing, thorough, and just downright inspiring. She was a best-selling author who published over 65 books spanning a wide range of spiritual and paranormal topics, including tarot, witchcraft, dream work, reincarnation, angels, the occult, and on and on. This list also includes nine single-volume encyclopedias on different paranormal topics, such as her Encyclopedia of Saints, of Ghosts and Spirits, of Dreams. If you have never heard of her or her work but are interested at all in learning literally about anything paranormal, go pull up a list of her published books and just start ordering. Collect yourself a little guiley library. It could end up being the only resource you may ever need. She had numerous appearances on television shows and documentaries. I've seen her personally pop up on many of the documentaries I've used for research so far, and as I recall, 
always had something insightful or interesting to say on the matter. She also often made appearances on a wide variety of podcasts and radio programs like Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie, where she was a regular guest. In a personal statement from her website, she said that her interest in the paranormal began in her childhood and was inspired by her experiences and dreams and an intense interest in astronomy and would read a wide range of fiction and nonfiction books on the paranormal, occult, science fiction, and fantasy. She said her interests in the paranormal had always been wide-ranging and that interest continued to characterize her research and work throughout her life. My main takeaway from learning about her life and work was that this lady was really after some answers, and it seems she was of the belief that all paranormal and mystical topics could in one way or another be connected somehow, which is a belief that I hold as well. Rosemary was well-versed and researched in a ton of paranormal topics, but she had specifically started studying the shadow people in 2004. She was always clear that it was not her purpose to prove the existence of shadow people or the paranormal because, in her opinion, these things just were. They existed. She was always more interested in the why and how and believed that in all of the reported encounters and experiences and folklores and histories of these things, all of that was just the tip of the iceberg, that it went far deeper and was far more connected than we can even imagine at this point. I'm also in agreement on that point, too. Now, Rosemary was of the belief that shadow people were a form taken on by the jinn, which we discussed a few episodes ago. So if you don't remember, you can just click on episode two for the history and lore. I spoke quite a bit on the jinn on that show. How she came to the conclusion that shadow people were jinn and also the massive connection she began to see between shadow people encounters and ET abductions is a very interesting and long process. She spent a long time collecting accounts and stories from her fans and people who wrote into her via her website and said she would categorize these accounts into different sets and subsets looking for patterns. She was always looking for a pattern. And in doing so, she discovered that people who had written to her to report their shadow person encounters often would volunteer the information that they had also been abducted by an extraterrestrial. And in going through these types, she realized that this was far more than just chance. I mean, it's it's quite obvious th- that there's there's a connection here. Um, she did theorize, though, whether the jinn and the ETs were one and the same, or were the jinn simply taking advantage of that situation in order to pursue their own agenda. She did believe that the reason that a majority of the shadow person encounters always reported a more malignant or malevolent output from the entity was in order to elicit a fear-based response because they need that emotion-based energy in order to sustain themselves in our reality or dimension. Also, that if these entities were beings from another dimension, they could have learned how to navigate to our dimension deliberately and at will. As to why they would do this, she offered an explanation that if they were the jinn, there were multiple reasons they would want to sustain themselves for a short while in our presence. 
that the jinn, for some reason, had basically been booted from this reality to another lower realm of reality, and in short, are pissed off at human beings for it. A lot of these guys are essentially psychic or supernatural terrorists bent on tormenting us for this perceived malfeasance and taking something that they believe is rightfully theirs. There is also the possible connection and curiosity that they could feel towards humanity, which can explain the encounters that describe a more guardian-like air from the entity or even the encounters that describes a sometimes sexual nature to the interactions. She said it never quite surprised her when people would report a more guardian-like feel to their shadow person encounters, as in her research of ancient Greek and Middle Eastern tradition, it was said that one to two jinn were born attached to a human being and would be with them throughout their life, like a companion. And just like humans, they could be tricky and wicked or protective and watchful. Along with the Jin et connection, she had said that while she couldn't say for certain that these beings were one and the same, she did think that Jin were certainly playing a part in the abduction scenarios and noted the similarities in the abduction experience versus the shadow person encounter experience. They both often occur at night, sleep paralysis is a marked commonality, and there is often a sexual or invasive component to both. It wouldn't have been surprising to confirm that the jinn were in fact taking on the form of an ET in these situations, as it is the modus operandi of the jinn to masquerade and manipulate, and they are also master shapeshifters. So, if it is something in the interest of the jinn agenda to come to us looking like an alien, then that is what they'll do. If it helps to dupe and manipulate us to look like a demon, then they'll come as a demon. She also found time and time again that E.T. abductees had reported having seen shadow people exclusively at other times in their lives, often from early childhood or directly preceding their abduction. As far as the type of people she thought would be more likely to encounter these jinn shadow people, she thought it had something to do with certain people's consciousness that was attractive to the entities, likening it to seeing a lighthouse in a vast darkness. Other times, she said that the entities were just attached somehow to entire family lines. And other times, these things are just opportunists and will snag onto any human they are able to, unbiased if the opportunity of a life in turmoil or an emotionally vulnerable person presents itself. And as far as getting rid of them, she stated, of course, there is no universal be-all, end-all solution. Different things are going to work for uh, different people. But one idea she proposed that she said a lot of her contributors had found to work was introducing electromagnetic disturbance in your home. So leaving a television or lights on while you sleep might actually work to disrupt their ability to come or to stay, which makes sense if they are energy-based beings. Oh, oh boy. Okay. Uh, now realizing we are going to run out of time quick here. So going to try to pick up the pace. Next up, I want to talk about Mike Ricksecker. He is the author of one of the books I've used this season called A Walk in the Shadows. He's a researcher and paranormal investigator and is absolutely one of my all-time favorite guests to listen to on any paranormal podcast. Um, he's, he's just incredibly interesting to listen to, and I highly recommend anything you can find on the 
or put out by this guy, especially if you find yourself kind of zoning out when you're doing your own research and just want someone to explain this stuff to you in a way that is easy and enjoyable. Um, He hosts his own podcast, which is called the Edge of the Rabbit Hole podcast, and I also only recently discovered another show he does called Beyond the Shadows. Really wish I had found this earlier. On Beyond the Shadows, it seems like he really focuses his talks on shadow entities, of course, as that, I think, is what he's most well known for. But he also takes the time to go into multiple dimension and interdimensional talk, uh, hauntings, ETs, consciousness. I don't think I've listened to an episode yet that I didn't find absolutely fascinating. Uh, Recently, he was talking about the sources that he looked up to and used for research and how some people had started looking at him that way and how it was humbling. Mike, I doubt you'll ever hear this, but if you happen to, you were a big inspiration and source for this season. And whether you like it or not, I hope you do. You are the guy now. You are who, at the very least, I look toward for enlightenment and information on all this stuff. I've really enjoyed your content and hope I haven't overstepped into your territory. Uh, no worries, though. This is just the focus for this season. One more episode and I'm, I'm off to another subject, bud. Uh, okay, so Mike believes shadow people to be interdimensional beings rather than things like human spirits or demons. Though he does, similarly to Rob Guttrow, believe that they can be a human spirit or like not quite manifested human spirits. Um, He also theorizes a little on why certain people see shadow figures and or apparitions and why some don't, that it has to do with being on the same frequency as one or the other or both or neither. Makes sense if you remember once again the theory that a a lot of people see these things during awful, traumatic, transformative times in their lives. Anger, sadness, anxiety all have certain frequencies. Hell, even even the deep state of sleep uh, one can arouse from when a lot of reported encounters occur, that state has a frequency too. So I can definitely get behind the frequency connection. He says over and over across all platforms that he reserves the right to change his mind. And I love that. I do too. And I think we all should reserve that right. He thinks, same as I do, that shadow entities aren't just one thing, that they can't just be lumped under one heading and that they are a lot of different things and there are a lot of different things going on here. I appreciate the flexibility and freedom with that. Now, of course, for the conclusion episode, I'm going to try my damnedest to narrow it down to one or just a couple possible beliefs I have formed on what the shadow people are. But like Mike, if I should come across new information that throws all of that into doubt, I shall follow suit and change my opinion. And to wrap up on Mr. Rick Secker, if you are interested in learning more about him and his work or follow his ongoing research, he runs a production company called Haunted Road Media, and you can find their investigations on YouTube. Of course, he's got the podcasts I've mentioned, or you can check out his literature, the book I used, A Walk in the Shadows, and I think he mentioned working on a new one called The Shadow Dimension. I I might have misheard or misunderstood this as I haven't been able to track anything down on it online, but if that is true, keep an eye out. I'm sure it will be just the awesomest. Okay, think we've only got time to talk about one more and then maybe I can squeeze in some honorable mentions at the end. So for my final shadow person expert, gotta talk about Heidi Hollis. 
it's going to be very difficult to go through the slew of content and appearances and work, as Ms. Hollis seems to be everywhere on this subject. Of course, she is the author of The Hat Man, The True Story of Evil Encounters, but also wrote a handful of other shadow person-related books. Um, I'll put links to a few of those in the show notes. She is a podcaster, a cartoonist, and an author who since 1995 has received thousands of letters and emails from people who have experienced the shadow person phenomenon. In her research, she has come to the conclusion that all shadow figure entities and the hat man are evil entities bent on hurting and tormenting their victims in an attempt to feed on, control, and convert us over to their dark side. I'm assuming, but can't say for certain as I haven't read it, that her book, The Secret War, probably supports what I'm guessing based on her various interviews, her idea is of a spiritual war that is going on between entities of darkness and evil like shadow figures and demons and the devil versus entities of light like God and angels. She is a huge fan of Jesus and angelic topics, and you can hear her talk at length on all of these subjects as a guest on numerous podcasts like Beyond Reality, Conspiranormal, Ghostly Talk, and Truth Be Told, which have been some of my hands-down favorite podcasts to binge while driving back and forth to work every day. Heidi has stated that her paranormal life started as a child growing up in a haunted house, where she says things would slam, objects would move, musical instruments would play on their own, and there were attacks. She tells of a story of her brother being rushed by a black shadowy thing with glowing red eyes, which is super scary. So I can see how this type of childhood and these types of experiences can really set the stage for a life devoted to the paranormal. Though she doesn't claim to be psychic or a medium, she does and has seen these things, plus her encounters with Jesus, angels, and aliens, and does admit there may be some mediumistic ability in her family as her and her siblings, and later on, her father, all admitted to seeing and experiencing the paranormal. On a podcast I recently listened to, she summed up her progression through her paranormal life and work by stating she lived it, dealt with it, and then wrote about it. If you find yourself tuning in to any of her various appearances, you'll notice pretty damn quickly the bubbly, lighthearted nature, which she says has kind of been knocked a bit by others, as in, like, how could someone who has been through these types of experiences that she has and who knows the things that she does be so happy? I suspect that's just her damn personality, yo. Deal with it. Interestingly, as I questioned this very thing a few episodes ago, she doesn't think the hat man is actually a shadow figure, though she clarifies that the two are definitely related. Shadow people are their own community of dark, evil, shape-shifting entities that, in a sense, work for the hat man, who is their leader. But he also directs the old hag, the hooded figure, and aliens. She often talks about the connection she has made between shadow people and aliens, which, again, I believe is detailed out in The Secret War. And there is that connection again, right? The alien shadow person. I don't know. It's inter It's interesting. Uh, shadow people specifically might either be the tool of aliens or vice versa, or could be aliens themselves. But whatever they are, they are not of this world. She thinks these things definitely were never human. And she believes in order to defeat these guys, people really need to get behind some faith. 
Her recommendation for ridding yourself of them is to say Jesus, or something like, in the name of Jesus, be gone. That that always seems to do the trick. Also for aliens, too, which is something I I hadn't heard anywhere else. She had stated before that the connection between aliens and shadow people that she had been running into in the past had always puzzled her, and she theorized that maybe shadow people were, in a sense, possessing aliens in order to pull their strings and use them to do their dirty work. I don't know about that. Um, I do need to spend some time, some more time thinking about this connection, but there is definitely a connection to be made here. Um, I think that's more than obvious at this point. She has spoken a bit about the agenda of Shadow People and Hatman, that it is their sincere intention to trap souls, reap souls, feed off of souls. That is that is part of the secret war uh, talked about in Revelations, and it's occurring right now in the privacy of people's homes and their dreams. She urges people to find Jesus before they die, as she speaks of many NDE experiences that report having seen the hat man at the end of their tunnel of light waiting for them. This is also something I got a question a little bit, as I have read me some Raymond Moody, more than um, is probably normal, if I'm being honest. Um, he, he is truly the king of the NDE experience reporting world, and I just do not recall reading these types of encounters detailing meeting a sinister-looking man in a suit and hat. I'm not saying Heidi is wrong here. This just has not been my experience in my research so far, and I'm, I'm definitely not trying to scare anyone with these details, just telling you what she has found in her her own search. Uh, the types of people Ms. Hollis generally believes have these types of encounters will tend to be gifted or sensitive. They can be highly intuitive, psychic, empathic, and she says that shadow people and the hat man are more easily able to reach and be seen by these types of folks so naturally are going to be attracted to them. That being said, she believes that Hatman is such an opportunist that it really just takes one moment of weakness on your part, no matter what type of person you are, in order to give him and the rest of the Shadow Lot players the opportunity they are looking for to reach in and snag your soul. So, drug addiction, sickness, trauma, even just dreaming are all states of weakness and opportunity for them to come in. According to Ms. Hollis, you must bless your space. Be confident in your faith and wear a blessed cross if you wish to be rid of them once and for all. The name of Jesus, even if one does not believe with all their heart, apparently will send a shadow a scurry. And a final bit of knowledge I wanted to leave you with on Ms. Hollis is that she owns these things. And I don't mean that in a badass kick butt, I'm gonna own you kind of way. Like she quite literally owns the terms shadow person and hat man. Yes, you heard me right. Yes, you can even look it up to verify. She says it right there on her website, which I'll include a link to in the notes. Uh, okay, so I'll be honest. I, I wasn't entirely pleased when I learned that she had trademarked this phenomenon. My gut reaction to this fact was that you can't lay claim to an entire phenomenon, 
especially one that you did not discover. We already know others had called Shadow People and Hatman by those terms before from the research on episode two and people's stories of their encounters with these things spanning back much further than the 90s, which is when Miss Hollis started writing about these guys. My first concern when I heard she had the trademark was that that is potentially the quickest way to shut down the conversation or theories or solutions or anything in regards to this subject. Power is only as good as the hands it falls into. And that makes me mad when I think of a barrier being put up between me and an education. But here's the deal. This is where I have arrived on this and why I'm not actually mad that she owns these terms. Heidi has held the trademark for a few years now. Um, I haven't come across any files or cases yet where she's sued someone for simply talking about them. Hopefully sharing all there is on them uh, on an educational formatted podcast is deemed A-OK by her. I guess we'll know it's a problem if all of a sudden these lessons and content I've worked very hard to collect, uh, uh, they suddenly disappear. But so far so good. Aside from a few things that her and I don't see eye to eye on, um, I hope if this podcast ever falls into her hands uh, that she sees that I did try to be respectful when talking about her role in this whole phenomenon. I actually really do enjoy her content and her interviews and really didn't set out to piss her off in any way. I feel like with a subject like this, where there are no certain answers, where literally everything is just a theory and cannot be confirmed 100% as fact, I hope that we can still continue on having discourse and having an open conversation. That is my hope. All right, that is all I'm going to do on her and my selection of shadow people experts. Uh, please check out the links I've included on all of these guys below if you want to learn more. It's a big old shadow entity world out there, and these folks and their research is a great place to start. A couple honorable mentions I will throw in quickly, though, include Jason Offit, Karis Branson, and Rob Guttrow. I mentioned Jason and Karis, uh, hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly, because as soon as I had decided all these months ago that I was going to be hosting a paranormal education-based podcast and that Shadow People was going to be my first topic to dissect. My very first book purchases were Darkness Walks, Shadow People Among Us by Jason Offit, and The Paranormal Researcher's Guide to Shadow People by Karis Branson. Both were incredibly helpful in kicking off the research part to all of this, and both were just downright fascinating, interesting reads that I would have been just as pleased to read for fun as I was to read for podcasting purposes. And my other honorable mention, I intentionally left as an honorable mention. I would have happily included him in the main lineup as he has some incredible insight into this world. And I don't think he's said one thing that I implicitly disagree with, like we on the same wavelength with this stuff. Rob Guttrow. 
The reason I did not include him in the regular lineup is because Shadow People isn't even the biggest, most important thing that he covers or talks about um, on his, you know, various radio appearances. He is uh, an incredible medium and intuitive. He communicates with past pets. He sees and communicates with those in the afterlife. He does incredibly accurate readings, which you can get, by the way, by just reaching out to him via email and more and more, you guys. Um, I've got a link to his blog below. He's one of my favorite, uh, I'm, I'm just going to call him paranormalists out there today. And I just know that you are going to love him and his work too. And I will absolutely be talking more in depth about him and his work on any season I do involving pets in the afterlife or psychics or NDEs. Until then, you got an honorable mention in this one, Mr. Gutro. Keep doing what you're doing. I love listening to what you have to say. All right, all right, all right. Now that is really going to wrap up for the expert's lesson. And this is also going to be the final lesson I hold on shadow people. Um, I really hope you guys have either enjoyed this season or at the very least learned something you had never heard before. Next episode is going to be the season finale and a bit of a celebration. We're going to completely wrap up this discussion by going over some of the key points the strongest theories, some of the strange synchronistic points and occurrences, and after everything we have learned thus far, and with all of the cards on the table, I will reveal what it is that I now believe about the shadow people. My ultimate conclusion, y'all. So, tune in, drink a margarita with me, or something that is much cooler than that. That It just sounds good, and I haven't had one in ages. Um, I'll also very briefly cover some of the stuff we will be learning about next season, and thank some peeps that made this podcast's existence possible. Also, something I was completely unprepared for, as I didn't think it was going to happen this early in the process, I have donors to thank. My very first donor, um, I, I think, wanted to remain anonymous as you didn't leave a name. Took me a second. Think I figured it out, though. If you are listening, I shall respect your generous anonymity and just say thank you so much uh, for being the first to support the show, Mr. Someone. It was unexpected, and the funds will absolutely be going to research materials for the new season. And my second donor, Beth, I'm shouting out to you, babe. You are so kind and generous, and I appreciate your contribution, and you, more than you know. And, and, I'm getting emotional, you guys. This is an emotional time. <laughs> and if you out there listening are enjoying this content so far, if you want to keep it coming, if you want to support this educational endeavor, you yourself can head on over to Paranorm Girls Patreon and get on board as a regular patron or just make a one-time donation at our Buy Me a Coffee page in order to show support. I know I've only got one educational video up so far. I'm hoping sometime between now and the next season, I will be able to find someone to assist me on the administrative level and the social media side of all of this because between the research this stuff takes and my full-time job and commuting, I just haven't had the time to get up more, y'all. Just like my social media platforms, though, suddenly the Patreon and Buy Me a Coffee are just going to be populated with a lot of cool-ass stuff and content. So get in now so you don't miss anything as it whizzes by you. 
To give you a little taster of the type of exclusive content you will come to expect, though, from our donor platforms in order to further satisfy that paranormal educational craving, you will be pleased to know all of my patrons will have access to um, fun little side classes where we will learn about various terms and concepts not in the mainstream. We're going to talk about ghost hunting equipment, what it all is, how to use it, how to go about getting access to locations. I'm going to have some fun, short little videos from various experts on different topics, conducting five-minute mini-lessons, and and some other content I got rumbling around in the pipeline. All of that to come. For now, if you want to check either out, links for both are in the show notes, and any contribution will absolutely go to good use and is greatly appreciated. With that said, let's wrap this baby up with a final note. No one said this was going to be easy truer words were never spoken about anything worth doing. The researchers and authors we have learned about today have not had it easy getting to their opinions and ideas on the shadow people. Years upon years of collecting stories, listening to the encounters, going to seminars and conventions, committing their time and energy, putting up with denial and skepticism, putting up with believers who simply disagree with them. But at the end of the day, I think they get to rest easier than people like me. They have a well-earned knowledge that comes with devoting your life to the pursuit of information into the vast unknown. And that is no easy task. I too hope to someday call myself incredibly knowledgeable on topics like this, maybe even expert level. With a little devotion, perseverance, and passion to know more, I think that can happen. I think that can happen for all of us. Just look at all there has been to learn so far in the span of just a few short months. Imagine what we have done so far as your starting point, your taster platter, your Shadow People 101 course. Now it's up to us to decide what to do with all that we have learned. And I'm genuinely curious if anyone's held beliefs at the start have changed by this point. I know mine have, and mine have certainly become more clear to me. My understanding has grown, and my eyes have been opened. For better or worse, I know what I know now. And after I have taken it all apart, once I put it all back together, Will I wish that I didn't? Will I pine for a bit of ignorance? I guess we all shall find out soon enough. Until then, stay safe, keep that nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open.